Can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business and your income? My next guest says absolutely yes. Stay tuned, folks, and you'll find out how. Hey you, Anise here from Mindful Sales Training, helping you grow your sales mindfully. Now, my next guest, Bob Berg, is a sought-after speaker at leadership and sales conferences. He regularly addresses audiences ranging from 50 to 16,000, where he has shared stages with thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former United States president. Bob is co-author of my absolute favourite sales book of all time, the international bestseller, The Go-Giver. He's also co-author of Go-Givers Sell More and author of Endless Referrals. His newest book is Adversary to Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. And he's authored numerous other books. He sold more than one and a half million copies in total. Now, The Go-Giver, as I said, is my absolute favourite sales book. It's like the alchemist for sales book will be the subject of our conversation today. The Go-Giver has been translated into 21 languages. Now, I know you can't wait a moment longer, so let's head on over to the interview now. Hello, Bob. It's Anise here. Hello, Anise. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Greetings from across the pond today. This is such a delight for me, Bob. I'm a huge fan of you and your books and your philosophies. Likewise. I'm a huge fan of you too. Oh, thank you very much. I love the positive, inspiring message you're spreading. And Go-Giver, as I've told you before, is amongst my top five all-time favorite books. Oh, thank you. And you wrote it with uh, John David Mann in 2007. Yeah, it it actually came out in 2008, but the, the publishing date is like December 27th, 2007. Well, I believe... Bob, the, the message is more salient now than it was then. <laughs> and can you explain for our listeners what the book The Go-Giver is about? Yeah, it is really uh, simply, you know, in, in the form of a business parable, a business fable written by, um, you know, uh, co- co-authored with John David Mann. And he is really the, he was the magic behind it because he's such a, a terrific writer. I, I'm much more of a how-to person. He's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's about shifting your focus. And this is the key, key thing. It, it's understanding that, that shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving, in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a, you know, a nice and pleasant way to live life, it's actually a very financially profitable way as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, well, society and culture celebrates go-getters. And as you know, we're conditioned to believe a go-getter is, is good. But you're saying that we should shift it to, to be it shouldn't be a go-getter. We should be go-givers. Can you explain why? Um, well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Actually, we, we don't say that, um, although that is kind of assumed by the title. Mm. And, and so it's an interesting point you bring up. Mm. Um, no, we love go-getters mm. also. Uh, why? Well, go-getters take action. And, you know, Anise, you're, you're certainly you're a, a very, very successful coach, and you coach a lot of other successful people. We're all, we're all business people, and if there's one thing we all know – it's that you, you could have the best ideas, uh, the nicest intention, <laughs> the greatest thought, but without action, 
hmm. being put into the mix. Nothing's going to happen. It, it simply cannot happen. So being a go-getter is, is also very important. Now, the good news is that there's, there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Uh, many go-getters are also go-givers, and John and I would both say that every go-giver is also a go-getter. So the opposite of a go-giver, then, is not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. Hmm. And, you know, the uh, go-takers are those people who... Who, uh, who feel entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without adding value to the other person, to the process, to the situation. And we all know these types of people, and they can be good people, but they tend to be very frustrated because, you know, as hard as they might work, they, they tend to, to not really achieve or attain the kind of level of success they, they feel they deserve. And even those times they do, because they, they do sometimes also, it tends to not last very long because it's, it's not built on a solid foundation. Uh, and so, and yet they tend to think that everyone else is, is naive. So um, when we use the term go-giver, we're simply talking about that man or woman who has learned um, or maybe always intuitively knew, because some people, they do intuitively know this, that that person, again, who can shift their focus, who can move from an I focus or a me focus to an other focus, that's the person who accomplishes the most. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, from a sales perspective, I mean, don't you have to be just a little bit pushy and a little bit aggressive? And and in your book, you t- it's the nice guy who wins. Now, is that that bit of a fairy tale? Well, let, let's look at two different um, points there that you brought up, both very legitimate points. Uh, one is, doesn't a salesperson have to be at least a little bit pushy? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, in fact, the more pushy, the, the you know, I, well, I would say to this, you know, do you, do you tend to buy from pushy salespeople? Oh, goodness, no. They were repelling. No, no, either, you know, I don't either. They would turn me off. And so, and I think most people feel that way. So why would we think that we need to be pushy as a salesperson? So no, uh, being pushy is not the same. You can work hard. That's great. But no, you're not, not pushy. In fact, a, a, a good salesperson uh, asks questions. <laughs> they ask questions in order to discover the needs, the wants, the desires of this prospect. And what a professional salesperson does, as my, my good friend and entrepreneur, uh, Sean Woodruff says, a professional salesperson simply connects the benefits of their product or service with the wants, needs, and desires of their customers. So really, that's what selling is. So it has nothing to do with, with being being pushy. Typically, a pushy salesperson, even if they make the sale, uh, that person's not going to want to buy from them again and certainly not refer them to others because who wants to refer their friends to someone who's going to be pushy? Yeah. So so that's the first uh, part. Now, the second thing when you I think you asked about, is it really just being a, a you know nice guys, nice gals, nice people finish first? And isn't that uh, more of a fairy tale? Well, first, uh, it's really not about nice people finishing first. Now, don't get me wrong. Being nice, and in, in this context, I'm using nice interchangeably with kind. Uh, they can be that, that can be two different things. Someone can act nice in order to get their way, but not necessarily be a kind person. But let's say they're the same in this case, you know, for this example. Uh, it's good to be nice first because it's just a good way to live life. It's a more enjoyable way to live life. But also, hey, you know, most people would 
rather do business or get to know or be in relationship with or buy from someone or refer to someone who's a nice person rather than a nasty person. Mm-hmm. So, so that's good. But, but even that, it's not enough. I mean, uh, you and I and, again, everyone listening to this call, we, we all know plenty of people who we would describe as being simply nice people who we would also have to describe as being broke people. So as important as it is to be nice and as helpful as it is to be nice, uh, in and of itself, that's not enough to be successful. Success is also a matter of doing the correct things in the success process uh, to allow yourself to be successful and finish first. And the five laws that John David Mann and I share in the book are simply meant to provide those principles that if someone will utilize them and apply them, all five of them in conjunction, they must be successful. Mm, the five laws of stratospheric success. Can you explain, please explain what they are and, and why? Why, if we, if we follow them, will success follow as a result? Sure. Um, well, the five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The first one, the law of value, says your, your uh, true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this sounds kind of productive when you first hear it. I mean, how do you give more in value than you take in payment? Uh, how do you do that and not go broke? <laughs> never, <laughs> never mind thrive, right? So to understand that, we, we simply need to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar, well, I guess we would say a pound amount. Okay, yes. pound is financial. Uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it is what it is. Uh, value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, that brings with it so much worth that that a person will exchange their money for this uh, and feel great about it while the seller or business person makes a a profit? May I give you a very quick example? Of course, yes. Okay. Uh, let's say you hire an accountant mm-hmm. to do your taxes. Do you call them accountants over there like we, we do? do? Yes, what do you call them? Accountants? <laughs> yep, yep, same, same. Just to know if it was one of those things where I said a word and I'm like way off. You know, and, I, <laughs> and you know I have so many friends from the UK, uh, and, you know, and it's, and, but every so often I'll say something that makes me think I really don't speak English that well. <laughs> you know? but, um, but, you know, say you, you have an accountant and this accountant charges you a thousand pounds to do your taxes. And that's his, uh, his, his fee, or literally his price, a thousand pounds. But what does he give you in value in exchange for this? Well, through his many years of study and being in the business, well, for, by, through his ability to ask questions and know what you want and understand your business and understand how, he's able to save you five thousand pounds in taxes. Hmm. Uh, he also saves you countless hours, which frees you up to do that which you'd rather do and, and that which is more productive. And he also, perhaps more importantly, provides you and your family with the peace of mind mm. of knowing it was done correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so first we see that, that while, while, while um, price is, is um, finite, while price is, you know, 
uh, value can be both concrete in terms of the, the money that was saved, but also it can be very conceptual in terms of the peace of mind. How do you even put a value, you know, a price on that? It, its value is probably worth more to you than the savings that, that they brought. So, so in other words, what he did is he gave you well over 5,000 pounds in value or use value in exchange for a thousand pounds or yeah, a thousand pounds of, of cash value. He gave you more in value than what he took in payment. So you feel great about it and he made a very healthy profit because to him it's worth his time and effort to to sell or rent out his expertise for that that amount of money. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so what happens is it all happened because of his willingness to focus on you rather than his being focused on the money he was focused on providing you value the result was the money this is why John and I say that money is an echo of value it's the thunder to values lightning which simply means the value must be the focus the value must come first and the money is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided that's really the law of value in a nutshell Brilliant. I love it. The money is the thunder to the value, which is lightning. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, well, the next one's the law of compensation. And this is, this is really pretty intuitive, this one, because it says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you provide this exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So our accountant in the first example uh, did a great job of giving you more in value than he took in payment. So if you're his customer, you are pleased, so you like him, you would do business with him again and probably refer him to others who needed an accountant. Uh, his other clients probably feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income will continue to grow and grow. And it's the same for anyone. It's the same for the, uh, the banker. It's the same for the coach. It's the same for the dentist. It's the same for the financial advisor. It's the same for the solicitor. It's the same for anyone who is in any business. Uh, the first law, as, as Nicole Martin, the CEO in the story, told Joe, the protege, the first law, the law of value, as important as it is, it's not enough by itself. That represents only your potential income. Mm. But the second law, the number of lives you impact with that exceptional value, that represents your actual income. Absolutely. Make sense? Yes, yes. And in the, in the story, the, the lady was a teacher. Right. Yeah, and uh, she then reached more people. So in order to, to be compensated more, you should just find a way to serve more people. Exactly. She was a teacher who loved what she did, and, and her students and, and the parents loved her, but she found a way to, uh, I guess you could say, leverage her value and expand her reach. Hmm. And she became CEO of a company she founded, which, which ended up reaching millions and millions of people and hmm. touching lives in that way. And as a result, she uh, earned more income. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is the law of influence? Yeah. And, and this one says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Again, this one sounds a little, little odd. 
But think about it. The greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most highly profitable salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to bring value to others, to make others' lives better. Um, now, uh, and I think this is really important to point out. In fact, I just did a, a my last Influence and Success, and Success Insights video was on this. Um, placing other people's interests first, um, Anise, certainly does not mean you should be anyone's doormat or uh, a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Not, not at all. It's simply as uh, uh, Sam, one of the mentors in the book, told Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business is simply that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by really, uh, you know, again, moving from your focusing on yourself to focusing on others. Thomas Powers of the uh, United Kingdom, uh, founder of eAcademy and author of the book Networking for Life, I think he said this beautifully in his book where he wrote, you know, the energy arises from a willing suspension of self-interest. Now, he didn't say a foregoing of self-interest, because we should, we can't, and we shouldn't forego our self-interest as human beings. We are self-interested creatures. We're built that way. Self-interest is what allows us to uh, uh, accomplish great things. Self-interest is what allows us to create more human beings. Self-interest helps in a lot of ways. But what the pro does, what the professional does, is they suspend their self-interest so that they can realistically and authentically, which is the next law, <laughs> focus on the other person. As, as Sam, again, one of the mentors told Joe, making our win about the other person's win. Mm-hmm. And in, again, in the book you mentioned, or rather, yes, you talked about how it's applicable to family too. And sure. I love the example of the story of how the husband, and no, actually Pindar, the character, yeah, the uh, and that was actually taken from a conversation I had with my dad when I was 10 years old, oh. uh, because my, my folks have a, uh, a wonderful marriage. They've, they've now been married, uh, gosh, 58, 59, coming up on 59 years, wow. and uh, just, a, just a wonderful, wonderful marriage. And uh, when I was about 10 years old, I, you know, some of my friends' parents were getting divorced, and and I said to Dad, you know, how is it that you and Mom have, have such a great marriage? Because I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I owe, there was never a doubt in my mind how much they, they loved each other mm. and liked each other, just, to, just as importantly, right? <laughs> and, and he said to me, well, Bob, when you really, really love a person, you actually care more about their happiness than you do your own. Now, I knew what he meant, and today we would have to qualify this, as we did in the book, if you'll recall, by Joe saying to uh, Pindar, well, isn't that kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? Codependent. Codependent, right. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, you've got to ask that nowadays, in today's political, you know, to say that you care about someone. To, and, 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 um, and, of course, no, it has nothing to do with codependency. Mm-hmm. It's that you hold your... You know, the person you love, you hold their their happiness to be in such high value to you. You hold that in such a high value that your focus is on bringing them happiness. Hmm. But guess what happens in that kind of relationship? The other person 
their focus is on bringing you happiness. Mm. So, you know, you never, remember, this is never about being self-sacrificial. If someone's in a relationship that's abusive or in any way not correct and appropriate, no, of course, you, you wouldn't put that person's interest first. And, you know, so when Dad said that to me, I just always thought that was such a wonderful thing to, to, to know because in any family, you know, a family that loves each other, you actually, uh, you know, you, you, if, if someone in your family is feeling sick, you'd rather be sick yourself, you know, than they be sick. It's not because you're self-sacrificial, yeah. but you hold their happiness in such a high value, yeah. you just, you know, you hate to see them suffer. Absolutely, yes. I love how also these, these laws are applicable, not just in business and in sales but in life it's a, that's right. a brilliant example there so the next one is authenticity yeah and this one says the the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself uh in the story deborah davenport one of the uh, mentors shares a lesson she learned in her career and that was that you know all the the skills in the world the sales skills the technical skills the 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 people skills as important as they are, and, and please don't misunderstand, they are very, very important, all of them. Uh, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, when you do, as I like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. People are comfortable with you. People know you. They like you. They trust you. They're much more willing to be in a relationship with you. And, and so really showing up as authentic is good business as well as good life. Now, why don't people show up authentically sometimes? Well, because they, you know, I think the biggest reason of all is that they don't necessarily have the self-confidence to do so. And when I say that, what I mean is many people don't really recognize the value they bring to the table. Uh, as human beings, we're too close to ourselves. We're too emotionally involved with ourselves. Now, now, I believe we all have two types of value. As human beings, I believe we all have intrinsic value. Just by being born, you bring value to the, to the table. Uh, but I also believe that we, have, that we all have what I call market value. And I define market value as those traits, talents, strengths, and characteristics that allow you to add value to the marketplace and in such a way that you'll be financially rewarded. Now, different people bring different value to the table. Some people uh, are just terrific listeners. Some people are, are great connectors of others. Some people have wonderful product knowledge that they can communicate. Some have a knack of being able to understand the customer's problems and add their insight. Others, are, you know what I'm saying? Different people have different, but sometimes because we're so close to ourselves, we don't recognize. This is why having someone like yourself as a coach is so very important. Why? Because as a coach, you can care about that person, but because you're not emotionally involved with them, you can, you know, you're, you're much more able to see their strengths when they, nece- they can't necessarily see them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why that's so important. So, so, you know, whether someone is able to do it themselves or through lots of study or through, you know, bring, hiring a coach such as you or, or the coaches you teach, because I know you teach a lot of coaches, that this is, this is very key. If someone does not recognize their own value, it's very difficult to be successful because before you can influence another as to the value you can bring them, you first have to understand the value yourself. 
Yes, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah, or what you don't know you have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, know, you might have it and yeah. just not even know it because you've always had it. So to you, it's, you know, you think everybody, uh, but it's not necessarily so. Yes, yes. And also, again, on the authenticity, when uh, I remember I was speaking to some people at a group a few weeks ago, and they, they think that they have to be this professional self and not be themselves. And can you speak about that? I mean, the difference between the two. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, and there's a time and place for everything, but by and large, I mean, you know, just, well, not by and large, always just be yourself. I mean, that's the best way to, <laughs> to do it. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, there's times that you dress up and there's times that you dress down and there's times that you, you know, and so forth. But, and, and, but we should never let a, a, a fake professionalism Yes, get in the way yeah. of what we're communicating about ourselves. Mm. I think it also has to do with learning and studying from others and adapting everyone's wisdom, you know, when you learn from them, but not adopting their personalities. Mm. You know, don't try to be that person. I can learn a lot from, you know, Zig Ziglar. I can learn a lot from Dondi Scumachi. I can learn a lot from uh, Ivan Meisner, but I can't be Zig. <laughs> you know, I can't be Dondi. I can't be Ivan. I can only be the best Bob Berg I can be. So let's learn from everyone, adapt their wisdom, but don't adopt their personalities. Learn from them, but stay true to your authentic core. Mm -hmm. Very good. And then the final one is receptivity, law of receptivity. Yeah, this kind of brings it all together, Anise. Um, the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And you might recall at the uh, end of the story, near the end of the story, Pindar, at the, mentor, the main mentor, asked Joe, the protege, to breathe out and hold that breath to the count of 30. Well, Joe tries. But in very quick time, he runs out of air, he's struggling to breathe, and Pinder says, what's the matter, Joe can't do it? And Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out, I've got to breathe in as well. And Pinder said, jokingly, he said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe just laughed. He said, well, that's, that's silly. You can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. Well, of course, we breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out oxygen. We breathe in carbon dioxide. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. You know, something so unfortunate is that the world as a whole has such a misunderstanding about money that through you know through television and movies and books and the media you, you get all these false messages that you know money is bad and only bad be you know you the people who are wealthy you know, were crooks and they had this and that and you know intuitively we we know that the more free market a society is the more that you can only earn money by providing value to the marketplace nonetheless that kind of horrible uh, counterproductive thinking seeps into our consciousness and as a result, many people really on a core level, they believe that giving and receiving are opposite concepts, but they're not. They're simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. It's not a matter of, am I a giver or a receiver? That's the false dichotomy. It's, I am a giver and a receiver. Here's the key. It goes back to what we said at the beginning. It's a matter of focus. 
when you focus on the giving of value, when you are totally, absolutely laser-focused on giving value, and then you allow the receiving, now it's very holistic and symbiotic, and now it works so well because you're breathing out and breathing in. You're giving and receiving. You're giving and receiving. And every time you give to someone, the pie of abundance is expanding for all parties involved. And it's also expanding for you. And then you have more to give and more to receive and, more, and just keeps going in a delightful cycle of success. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful, wonderful. So on a final note, what habit, Bob, can, can people start developing in order to be successful and attract success the go giveaway? Well, you know, as far as there being one habit, I'd say, again, it's that shift in focus. It's always asking you know, how can I provide value to this person? But we need to understand something, and I think this is very important. Mm. It's not what we believe is of value. It's what they believe is of value. In other words, and this is key, Mm. value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Mm. So we might have a product or service, and because we have our own version of what happiness is and what is positive and what we might think, oh, this is what everyone likes about this. But that's not necessarily true. We all come from different belief systems, models, the way we see the world. So what we've got to do is not think we're giving value because we do this for someone or we do that for someone or we talk about the product in this way or that way or something. It, we've, we've always got to make sure that it's a value to this other person. And once we begin doing that and begin focusing on that, now we open up a whole new world. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That would be wonderful if everyone could focus on giving value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the good news is, you know, even if not everyone does it, you can do it, and Dave can do it, and Mary can do it, and Susan can do it. And, you know, and as we do this, other people start to learn and catch on. And when people are ready for the message, they embrace it. I can't tell you how many times we've received emails from people who you know, got the book from someone else and, be, and they were kind of struggling in their business and they just happened to read it at the right time and all of a sudden they saw, yes, this is what I need to do. And all of a sudden, you know, there was like night and day in their business. And that's, you know, we love hearing that. But the big thing is, you know, not everyone's going to catch on to this and not everyone's going to accept it. Uh, but when the time's right, if they're supposed to, they will. Wonderful. That's great. Well, I'm wary of our time, Bob. I don't want to take any more of your time, but this has been amazing. And I'm so grateful. I'll put links to the book so everyone can buy it. And, Wonderful. Uh, and, and anyone who'd like to get, you know, to, to have chapter one of the book so they can read it first just to kind of see if they like it, uh, they can always go to my website, Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And, uh, and they can subscribe to my Influence and Success Insights and some of the other fun things on the uh, site. But, Anise, I, I just, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed this, and you're one of my favorite people. I've, I've so enjoyed getting to know you, uh, of course, but, but this is the first time we've spoken on the phone, but have gotten to in, in, enjoy knowing you on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and, and so forth. You're just a great person bringing a lot of value to a lot of people. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bob. You have a lovely day, and I hope to meet you when you're coming. You're coming to the UK soon, aren't you? 
Yeah, well, I have a certified go-giver speaker there, Pete Evans, who's a great guy, and he's really doing a great job bringing the, the uh, message into the United Kingdom. And he and a group are supposed to hold a, a public seminar where they're going to have me in to speak. So I'll definitely hope to see you and, and, uh, and a whole bunch of your listeners if they'd like to come. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day. My pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, it's Anise again. So, a shift in focus. Ask yourself... How can I provide value? And it's not what we believe is of value. It's what they believe is of value. As Bob says, value is in the eye of the beholder. Folks, that's the one thing we can start doing today to make a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. And of course, sell more. If you're listening on iTunes, head on over to Bob's website, www.berg.com. B-U-R-G.com and get the first chapter of The Go-Giver. Subscribe to his blog, it's brilliant. Or just go and buy the book, The Go-Giver. I actually reread it every single year, so I'm on my seventh read. And like I said, it's like the alchemist for sales with timeless life and business wisdom. So if you like what you heard, please share it with your tribe and give some ratings on iTunes as well. And, uh, and of course, subscribe to my blog over on mindfulsalestraining.net. So this is Anise from Mindful Sales Training, signing off for now, helping you grow your sales mindfully. Mindfully.